Good morning. How's everybody doing? Doing good. I want to say welcome to everyone here at our Noonan campus at LaGrange. It's so exciting to be with you. I know a lot of you are watching online as well. It's great to have you here for Super Bowl Sunday. So from uh, a Bitter Falcons fan, I say go Eagles. All right. <laughs> um, you'll pro- probably also be seeing a post later on social media of my wife's shirt. She was in here for the first service, and her shirt goes something like this. I can't believe they're ruining the concert with a football game. So uh, for those of you who are just waiting for the halftime show, uh, enjoy the football game as well. Today we are wrapping up our series that we've called Adulting. Where we've been talking about how to have a grown-up faith, to have this mature faith in Christ. And we've been getting to see all these uh, funny bumper videos with these quotes about adulting that are pretty hilarious. And I probably had one of the most adulting groups of text messages ever from my wife Lauren this week. Now, men in the room, uh, do you know that feeling when you get five text messages in a row from your wife? I mean, immediate text messages like this. Do you get like me where you kind of get a cold sweat? And you're like, I don't know if I should open this or not. <laughs> You kind of sit there and think, and you say a little prayer. I open these text messages, and they go a little something like this. The first text message says, I went to get Aria out of her crib at nap time, and she found the contents of her diaper. She did, <laughs> she did her best Leonardo da Vinci impersonation with the contents of her diaper. Has anyone ever experienced that with your kid when they finally found what actually happens in their diaper? Okay, McKenna never did this, but Aria found her diaper, and then multiple other text messages. The last one says, so she had taken her diaper off. I picked her up out of her crib, set her down before I could grab her. I guess she wasn't finished yet, and she runs down the hallway and finishes the job. So, yeah, adulting can be hard sometimes, can't it? What I want to do is we're going to start this morning with a couple true-false questions, and you're going to see why here in a minute. So I want everyone to participate. Here in noon, you're going to raise your hand if you think it's true or false. LaGrange, please raise your hand. And online, you might want to answer by commenting if you think these are true or false. All right, so the very first one is this. Shaving thickens hair. If you think that's true, raise your hand. Shaving thickens hair. All right? If you think it's false, raise your hand. Listen, the answer is beaming like a beacon in the night right here, y'all. These lights are hitting this. The answer is false. If shaving thickened your hair, I would have some beautiful locks right now, okay? Shaving does not thicken your hair. The next one. The national animal of Scotland is the unicorn. If you think that's true, raise your hand. A couple brave people in the room. If you think it's false, raise your hand. If you answer true, you would have made it, and who wants to be a millionaire? The correct answer is true. Their national animal is the unicorn, okay? All right, then the last one is this. The number of Beatles singles to reach number one on the Billboard Hot 100 is 22. If you think that's true, raise your hand. All right, quite a few of you, a few Beatles fans. If you think it's false, raise your hand. The correct answer is false. It wasn't 22, it was 21. Uh, See? I'm getting the reaction I want, like, oh, come on, that was a little tricky. Why'd you do that? What we're going to be looking into today is that understanding what's true and false in our life is not always easy, especially when it comes to spiritual things. I mean, look at the world around us. You can't turn on the news, get on social media without going, what in the world is true? How do we know what to believe? You see, 1 Peter was written as a guide for how to handle trials outwardly, like persecution. Second Peter was written as a guide 
for how to handle trials inwardly, like heresy and unsound doctrine. Let's go ahead and, uh, and look at what 2 Peter 2 says, because 2 Peter 2 really focuses on false teachers in our life, these false voices that are always around us. Let's read verse 1 through 3. It says this, But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. So as we look at 2 Peter chapter 2 today, we're also going to be looking at many other verses throughout the New Testament. Because what I found is all throughout the New Testament, the Lord knew we were going to be dealing with these false teachers and lies in our life in the church and in the world around us. So I hope you're taking notes today and you write a lot of things down. And as we jump into this, let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, we welcome your true voice in here today. God, this is not my voice. I want this to be your voice that's heard. So Lord, we stand on your promises and what you want to do. God, open our ears to hear you. God, open our hearts to accept you and to apply these things to our life. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So it's important that we start by defining false teachers, false prophets, these false idols and voices in our lives. 1 John 4, 1 through 3 tells us this. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you will recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. So this is a warning for us. These false teachers and false voices are already in our world right now, trying to convince us how we should live. So how are false teachers and these prophets defined? One way is they are going to point away from Jesus. That's what false prophets and teachers do in our life. False teachers are also people who claim Christ, but deny his lordship over their lives. False voices, these are trying to offer us a kind of religion that we can embrace while still holding on to our sinful desires. Second Peter teaches us that false teachers live with the motives of greed, lust, and arrogance. But how is the voice of truth defined? The voice of truth is anything that points to Jesus. We also learn that the voice of truth is another name for the Holy Spirit. So if you're a Christian in here today, you've asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, and you've received the Holy Spirit, he is the voice of truth. And true doctrine in our life will always point to the saving grace of God. Let's look at what John 16, 13 says about the Holy Spirit. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. I love that it says all truth right there. I want all truth, not just a partial truth or a little bit of truth. I want all truth in my life. If you're a parent or a child in here, you've maybe heard this statement before, that partial obedience is 
Exactly. Disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. I've also heard a saying that if you tell 75% of the truth, then you're going to be 100% wrong. I want all the truth. And that is found when we look to the Holy Spirit and when we look to Christ in our life. As Christians, you see, the enemy will bring these false voices into our lives to cause doubt, distraction, deception, and division. If you're not a Christian here today, then the enemy will bring these false voices and he's actually got these false voices speaking to you right now that you don't need Jesus as your savior. He's trying to convince you of that. You see, we've seen these false voices and the enemy speaking as a false teacher all the way back in Genesis at the beginning of the Bible when he deceived Adam and Eve and convinced them to disobey God. So, how do we make sure that we're holding on to what is true from God in our life? The answer is we must filter our faith. Many of you may brag that you have a good filter for your mouth. How many would say you need to work on the filter for your mouth? Oh, all right. If you didn't raise your hand, I'm impressed, all right? You're about to say something and you're like, oh, I'm glad my filter caught that. I'm glad it caught that. Or you might think, man, my filter should have caught that, all right? But we don't just have filters for our mouth. We have filters for our mind, for our heart, for our action that we need to apply to our faith. How many of you are like me and you go stand in the filter aisle at the store and you look at just tons and tons of filters and you're like, how do they cost this much? I mean, it costs like half your paycheck for a good filter, right? You're standing there, you're looking at a ton of them. You're like, okay, that filter cost a buck. Okay, that looks like a piece of tissue paper, right? And then it defines what it filters. It's like, this filters air. Okay, great. You, you go up a step, a couple bucks more, you look at it, and you're like, the definition is like, this filters pollen. You make it all the way up to the filters that are like 50 bucks a piece, and it's like, these are 99% effective at filtering small rodents. You're like, awesome, that's the one I need, right? But we look at these, these filters and we realize that whatever this filter catches allows us to breathe in what is pure, right? It catches all the junk, all the dirt, all the nastiness, and then produces what we allow into our life. Because whatever comes out the other side of this filter is what we ingest. It's what we take in to who we are. You see, if you went to swap out these filters, it tells you, it says, change the filter every three months. So eight months later, when you go to swap this thing out, <laughs> and uh, eight months later, when you swap this thing out, if you pulled this filter out, and it looked like this, and it was perfectly clean, you'd think, oh no, something didn't work right. What have I been breathing into my life this whole time? How many of you are like me, you pull the filter out, and you get a little bit of satisfaction when it looks awful? Like, you want to see all the junk in that filter. Because you know, man, what came through was clean. So what we're going to be looking at today is how do we apply spiritual filters for our faith? Look at what 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1 says. It says, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates. Another version says, defiles body and spirit, perfecting holiness and letting us work towards complete purity out of reverence for God. This is actually pointing back to a, pro a promise in the previous chapter of 6 where it says, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of God. So as Christians, if we are the temple of God, we can't have any sort of agreeance with false religion, with false doctrine, with false lies and idolatry in our life. This filter acts as a separation. 
Because we also learn that the, how are we supposed to be in the world but not of the world? We have all these things surrounding us, all these false voices telling us what to believe and what to do. How are we supposed to be in that but not of it? It's when we have the proper faith filters in our life that it collects the bad things and allows the good things. Look at this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22 breaks this down so easily for us. And I love the way the message version first says this. It says, don't suppress the spirit and don't stifle those who have a word from the master. On the other hand, don't be gullible. Check out everything and keep only what's good. Throw away anything tainted with evil. The NIV version says, don't quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecy with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. That is exactly what a filter does. It holds on to what is good and lets it through, and it rejects every kind of evil. So if you're taking notes today, write down this. The first faith filter we must have is this. We must pass everything through the facts of God's word. The word of God must be the foundational filter for our faith. It must be for us to be successful in our walk with Christ. Listen to this. The word knowledge is found in the three chapters of 2 Peter in some form or another 16 times. So we learn that our best offense and our best defense against these false voices in our lives is our commitment and confidence to the word of God. This is our best offense and our best defense because this answers everything. You know, Jesus even set the example for us in this. When we look back at the encounter in the book of Matthew of where Jesus was tempted, he went out into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Satan comes to Jesus thinking he's gonna find him in a moment of weakness and decides to tempt him. He looks at Jesus and says, if you're the son of God, then, then turn those rocks into loaves of bread. Do you know what Jesus did in this moment? He stood on the word of God. He quoted scripture in this moment. He said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word of God. Satan didn't stop. He said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from this high point and let the angels save you. You know what Jesus did again? He quoted scripture. He says, the Bible says, do not test the Lord your God. Satan tries one more time. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, if you bow down and worship me, then I will give you all of this. And Jesus says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus, the son of God, stood on the foundation of the word of his father. What if we started memorizing scripture? What if we started applying this to our lives that when these false voices tell us what we should believe, how we should act, that we counter it with scripture saying here is who God says I am. Here is how God wants me to live. The word of God is powerful and it should be the foundational filter for our faith. The, a question though that we must answer is what's the opposite of God's word? Like if, if we're not gonna have the foundation of God's word as our faith, a lot of times we get trapped into using the filter of opinion. You see, we can't anchor ourselves to the filter of an imperfect human's opinion 
when we have the perfect will of God. We have to be careful. This is an easy trap to fall into where we have all these opinions coming after us on all these things we should do, these decisions we should make and how we should live. But opinions are not always correct. Look at what 2 Peter, we're gonna look back a chapter in verse 1, 20 through 21 says. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. How many of you have heard the saying, opinions are a lot like, did I catch somebody else's filter right there? <laughs> Some of you are laughing. I, was, I don't know what you were thinking, I was thinking opinions are a lot like underarms. Everyone has them and a lot of them stink, okay? We can't base our faith on opinions. We must base our faith on the perfect will of God. Now listen, I wanna give this warning to everyone here, everyone who's watching at our LaGrange campus or online. I wanna say this. We must beware that we don't project a false voice by communicating our personal preferences as spiritual facts. Can I say that one more time? Because I want to make sure we all catch that. We must beware that we don't project a false voice by communicating our personal preferences as spiritual facts. Listen, we all have personal preferences, don't, don't we? You may enjoy a certain style of worship music, Styles and preferences aren't bad, but they can't be what we build our faith on. We have to build our faith on the word of God. You see, preferences aren't permanent. His promises are. We must be careful with that. The greatest voice of authority in our life should be God and his word. You see, the standard of our true north should be God. And if we allow any other standard to point us in a direction, then we're going to get confused in our faith. I recently read an illustration by an author named Priscilla Shire, and she used the guitar. And I was like, man, that really resonates with me. So I want to share this illustration with you. You may be a musician in here. You maybe never picked up a guitar before in your life. Did you know that this top string is the E string? As long as this string is in tune, you can tune the rest of the guitar without a tuner. You don't have to have it plugged into anything. You don't have to have anything at all. You can take this string, place your finger on the fifth fret, and that's what your second string should match that sound. If you can hear that, that's what it should sound like. So you could just make sure if your E string is in tune, you can tune the rest of your guitar. You see, as a musician, I can strum this and immediately tell if it's in tune or out of tune. When we are in tune with the word of God, when, some, when a false voice comes to our life, when we're in tune with this, we can immediately tell if it's in tune or out of tune with the word of God. But... What happens sometimes is, say I had this in tune, the whole band could come out here, and I could say, let's play a song, and it's going to sound right. I'm going to match the tune of what they have. But what, what might happen is, if you deter from the word of God, and you base your, your faith on something else, it's like taking this E string and changing the tune of it. Now guess what? I can still tune my guitar to this E string. I'm going to start changing other strings to match this. And I'm going to think I'm right. It, once I tune them all to that string, I'm going to strum it, and it's going to sound great. But then the rest of the band's going to come out here, and we're going to say, all right, let's play a song together, and I'm going to sound completely different than them. The word of God is our E string. We have to make sure 
that it is perfectly in tune. And then as we have to make decisions in our life, as we're going through trials, as we're going through the timeline of, of our journey and our walk with Christ, we are matching everything to Jesus. We're matching everything to his word because we know this is in tune, therefore everything else can be in tune. The word of God holds great value. Let me ask you, what voices have authority in your life right now? Is it God and his word? Are they the number one filter and authority in your life? Or is it something else? The second filter we must have in our life after the word of God is conviction. We must have the filter of conviction. Do you know conviction is defined as a firmly held belief? You see, conviction builds our character. So what's the opposite of this? If you don't have conviction, because a lot of people have the knowledge of God's word, or you may even say, yeah, I believe this is the word of God. So you may think, okay, I have that filter in my life, but if you don't have the conviction to apply it and to act on it, that's where we get in trouble. Because you, like I said, you may know this, but what if instead of conviction, you have the filter of compromise? That's when we get in trouble. We live in a world that is constantly trying to get us to compromise our faith. We cannot compromise on what God wants us to do. Look at Romans 12 too. It says, do not conform, compromise to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We've heard this word test many times in these scriptures that we've read so far, haven't we? We need to test what people are saying. Guess what? You might not hear many pastors say this. I hope you test what I'm saying today. I hope you're taking notes. I hope you're writing down these scriptures. I hope you're testing what I'm saying, that you're going back saying, is he telling the truth? All right, God, I'm going to dig into this and let you show me. We need to test these voices in our life and then not conform to the pattern of the world, but hold on to the convictions of our faith. You see, false teachers will hide behind the cloak of acceptance and tolerance instead of accountability to the word of God and his convictions. That's who we're accountable. I love this one quote. It says this. I believe that one reason why the church of God at this present moment has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. What if we stand in our convictions, our conviction to the word of God and who he wants us to be instead of conforming to the pattern of the world? You see, even the smallest compromise of the life God has called us to will begin to undermine who God wants us to be. I remember I was going on a fishing trip with some family members, and uh, we were down at the beach, and we're going out, and the captain of the boat looks at me and says, hey, will, will you drive for a minute? I want to get all the gear ready, so that way when we get to our spot, we can start fishing immediately. And I was like, yeah, of course. And so I hop on, and he has the radar right there, and he has his spot pinned. And he says, all right, keep pointed right there at that. Because, I mean, when you go out a couple miles, it takes a little while. And so we had just started, and so I'm driving, and then all of a sudden I start talking with my family, and I'm looking around all the scenery while we're passing stuff, and a couple minutes later, he walks over, and he's like, hey man, what you doing? Now look, I was like, oh, oh no, I'm, I'm so sorry. He said, even though it looks like you're a little off right now, by the time we get to our destination, you're going to be way off from the course where you're supposed to be. Listen, the enemy is clever. The enemy is smart. He's not always going to present us with an obvious wrong decision. He's not going to tell you to turn the boat completely around and go in the wrong way. You know what he does? Is a lot of times 
He tries to get you one degree off, then another degree off. Did you know the Bible describes Satan as the fact that he masquerades around as an angel of light? He's smart. He's smart. He's going to try to get you that one degree off. He's going to offer options that are so close to the truth, but that they draw you away from God's ultimate truth. And by the time you get to a spot, you look, you're like, how did I get this far away from God? How did I make this decision? When if you look back through the timeline of your life, you go, man, I got a degree off here. I started compromising here. I conformed a little bit here. When God's saying, keep your eyes on true north. Keep your eyes on me, the author and perfecter of your faith. That is who God wants us, wants us to follow him. It's not easy. I know it's not easy. But we have to keep our true north in Christ. And the only way we do that is through seeking his answers through his word. You see, the filters of our faith produce fruit in our life. Matthew 7, 15 through 20, Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. I told you the New Testament talks about this in many different books of the Bible. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruits, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. You see, fruit is the result of our decisions, our thoughts, the way we share our faith, the way we raise our kids, our actions. And just as a filter produces good fruit, this is what our faith should produce, is good fruit. You see, this applies to us just as much as those voices who are speaking into our life. We can look at the voices and the, and the false teachers who are speaking to our life, and the filter, when it hits it, 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 does it produce bad fruit? And the same thing for our life. Are we producing good fruit or bad fruit through our actions? Is there evidence of growth in your life? You see, some of you may be using even other, other filters in your life. Like you have the filter of fear, and you're producing the bad fruit of anxiety. And you're tired of that anxiety. You're tired of that stress. You're tired of that depression. What if you took off the filter of fear and put in the filter of faith and the filter of trust in God and let it produce the good fruit of joy and of peace in Christ? What filters are controlling your faith? One thing that really caught me as I was studying 2 Peter chapter 2 was that false teachers and trials were paired together in this chapter. And so I started asking the question, why are, why are false teachers in these trials together? You see, trials reveal our character and if our faith filters are working properly. It gives a couple examples. One example in 2 Peter chapter 2 is it says that God rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a good man. If you look back at the story of Lot, he was in a place called Sodom that is known as one of the most evil and wicked places ever. It was actually destroyed. God destroyed it because it was so evil and wicked, but it says that God saved Lot because he was a good man. You see, Lot had all, if you read the story, Lot had all these false voices, this false religion speaking into his life 
But he had the right filter set up to when those things spoke in, he didn't accept it. He, he only accepted what God told him. And his family was saved. His family was saved. You see, your trial may be your training ground. The trial you're in right now may be your training ground. When you have a false teacher and a false voice telling you what to do during your trial, it may be your training ground to test your character. Our character is put on trial when we're in our trial. Your trial may be your training ground. One way I love that 2 Peter verse 2, 7 is said in the, in the New Living Translation is this. But at the same time, God rescued Lot. It had just got done giving the short example of what Lot had to go through in Noah. And as it gives these examples, it then finishes up with this. But at the same time, but at the same time, God rescued Lot. Everyone say, but at the same time. Everyone say, but at the same time. Listen, a lot of you, you think all I can hear are these false voices in my life. It seems so overwhelming. I'm here to tell you today that God says, but at the same time, I'm speaking to you. But at the same time, I'm working through you. But at the same time, I want to move in a mighty way. You may be looking around the trials in your life. You may be thinking, I need to change some filters in my faith. It just looks so bad around me. What am I supposed to do? But at the same time, God is moving and God is working and God is speaking. He never stops. He doesn't give up. He doesn't give up. He's never given up on you and he's not going to. You may may be struggling with false voices and your trials are telling you that you're worthless. But at the same time, God is saying, you're my child. I needed you together. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. False voices during your trial may be telling you that you're not good enough. But at the same time, God is saying, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. But at the same time, God is speaking to you. You may need to look back at the timeline of your trials and say, man, I wish I would have made a better decision, but at the same time, God's speaking. Right now where I'm at, God, these trials, these voices, these false things are telling me the decisions I should make, the way I should go, the way I should live. God, at the same time, I want to hear you. At the same time, I'm ready to follow you. At the same time, God, you do a work in me. At the same time, God is moving and he's working. 2 Corinthians 6, 7 says, Now with the voice of truth and the power of God, armed on the right and armed on the left with righteousness from God, we continue. You know, when I read that, I got a visual that as I'm walking through my trials, I'm armed on the right, I'm armed on the left with the righteousness of God. I love it. It says, we continue. God, I'm going to continue forward. God, I'm going to continue moving. Even when these false voices are coming in, telling me, stop, don't go that direction. You need to go this way or even just compromise a degree this way. I'm going to say, God, I'm going to keep moving because I'm armed with the spirit of truth and I have righteousness in my right arm and in my left arm. Keep moving continue on because at the same time God wants to do something amazing in you you may be in here today or you're watching and you've heard these things and the thoughts ran across your mind that I have a ways to go before I really know the Bible well guess what start by reading one chapter a day start by reading one chapter let it grow from there and ask yourself 
God, what are you teaching me through this? God, how do I apply this in my life? God, how do I share this with others? You know, one question you can always ask yourself, whether you're a Christian or not in this room, when you're faced with a decision, when you're walking your journey and these false voices are talking to you, one question every single one of us can ask ourselves is this. Does this choice and the path I'm leading draw me closer to Jesus? What if tomorrow work you ask yourself that? What if with decisions with your family you ask yourself that? Does this choice, does this path I'm leading draw me closer to Jesus? You may be in here today and you're hearing this and you're hearing about how we need to apply these filters and you're hearing about God's word and you're hearing about this man named Jesus and you're like, man, that that sounds great. What, What all does this mean? This man named Jesus, who we stand upon his word, is the son of God. You see, every single one of us sin. Every single one of us make mistakes. And those sins, those mistakes, separate us from God. Because he is perfect. And imperfection cannot be with perfection. But because he's God, he didn't want to leave us that way. He saw us in our need because our sin requires a consequence. Our sin, the consequence is death and hell. But God in his great love did not want to leave you and I there with that consequence. He came to this earth and he led a perfect life. That he would take those consequences upon himself. He would take our penalty for our sin and die on the cross for me and for you. Because he wanted you to walk through this life with confidence in him. He wanted you to walk this faith and look and say, God, I know I'm not perfect. I know I don't have it together, but I'm trusting you in my life. He wants to spend eternity with you in heaven, and that only comes through Jesus. Some of you have had the filter of yourself for far too long, and it's leading you to death, and it's leading you to hell. But today, I pray that you realize that you get to replace that filter with Jesus, that he's going to take that sin He's going to take that mess. He took it upon himself so that you could have eternal life, so that you could find joy and purpose in this life we live on earth. Listen to what John 10, 27 and 28 tells us. This fits in so well with what we talked about today. This is Jesus. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My sheep hear my voice. They know his voice. Listen, you may feel like the enemy's really loud in your life. Jesus is speaking to you right now. Jesus is speaking, saying, follow me. I want to forgive you. I love you. I have a purpose. I have a plan for you. Let me help you. Let me show you what this life is all about. Are you listening to the voice of Jesus right now in this moment? Or are you listening to the voice of the enemy? The voice of the enemy never has any power over the voice of our Savior. You get to make a choice today. When we look at 2 Peter 3, 9 through 10, as 2 Peter's wrapped up in this chapter, It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. 
as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth, and everything done in it will be laid bare. You see, the enemy may be telling you right now, he may be speaking a false voice in your life saying, guess what, you can wait. You can wait for Jesus to come. He hasn't come back yet, just wait. Remember, we talked about false voices in our life will try to convince us to accept the religion that still allows us to hold on to our sin. That's not Christianity. That's not what Jesus came for. Don't let the enemy speak to you right now in this moment when God is saying, I came and died for you. Let today be your day. Let this moment right now be your moment of salvation. I know there's people in this room. I know there's people in the Grange. There's people watching online who you're struggling. You're battling right now. Which voice do I listen to? Listen to the voice of Jesus Christ. Listen to the voice of Jesus because he is always sharing a voice of love. He's speaking with a voice of salvation. He's speaking with a voice of truth. And he's speaking in confidence, knowing that he holds eternity and he holds us in the palm of his hand when we ask him to be our Lord and Savior. Let's pray together.